you know, when I first got in the league and it's like, you just, we're going to call this play and you're going to do it because I said so. Right. And now you have to, I mean, all the guys, especially in the quarterback room, the guys that I've talked to, I mean, you have to explain why and you have to be excited about why and you have to be humble enough to hear their responses. You know, it's not as much as, you know, hey, just run through this wall because I told you to. You know, it is about the relationship. It's about them understanding that I will never ask them to do anything that I want to want to do myself. And I think those are the things that you build over time. Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood. Our next guest is Nate Hackett. Nate is the current head coach of the Denver Broncos and was previously the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. Nate is one of the brightest coaches I ever played for. In his energy and passion, he lives life with each day is a joy to be around. We're going to have some fun learning from my good friend on this one. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you tune in weekly. Thanks and enjoy. Nate, welcome to the podcast, brother. Or, I'm sorry, I should call you Coach Hackett now. Oh, heck no. You know you can't do that after all we've been <laughs> through, man. No, appreciate you, man. So happy to be here and uh, grateful to see your sweet face. Oh, likewise. And I most recently got to see you at the Kentucky Derby. I got to know, we, we left each other prior to the big one. You didn't hit the big race, did you, on Rich Strike? Hell no. I mean, I mean, it was amazing, like, watching that. What an amazing environment that was. I mean, now it's been a bucket list for, forever for me and my wife. And to be able to go there and see it, I mean, it was such a great it's, – it's so funny because you used to go into events and it's one team versus another one. Yes. Everybody's, you know, going against each other. But this was one of those deals that, you know, everybody's happy. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's – enjoying the experience everybody's betting and gambling and and rooting for horses and there's so many different winners and, and ways to win so um the environment was unbelievable but no i did not get lucky enough to hit on that i don't i don't, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people did that kind of blew everybody's mind that did and i was just over served enough and where <laughs> our seats were epicenter had won and that would have been a really nice payday for our group. So mm. I celebrated a touch too early after I always make fun of Richie Incognito for doing the exact same thing years prior. Uh, I, I didn't do like a full on celebration, but I just assumed Epicenter won when he passed us. And then uh, we did not win that. The previous time I saw you in person was one of my favorite experiences calling games in the booth yet. And I don't know that this has ever happened before, but you're calling a game for the Green Bay Packers. Now this is preseason. And one of the other assistants was doing a majority of the play calling, which is customary in the NFL, but we make eye contact and, you know, both of us are focused on the field. Then all of a sudden I get this big bear hug from behind and you had (laughs) snuck into our booth and came and said hi to me and Murph, which was, just a really awesome moment and shows what you're all about as a person that, you know, take a little bit, a few minutes away from the game to make a former player of yours feel special. Oh man. I mean, Hey, I got into this profession because of the players, because of the relationships. I mean, I go back to all those times we were together and I mean, it it was, you know, sometimes we might not have won as many games we wanted to, but the experiences that we all had, I mean, it was unbelievable. And to be able to see you see Murph, um, guys I had spent time with. I mean, I was just so happy to see y'all. And uh, I mean, hey, that's what it's all about in this game. It is. It's all about the relationships. I had Ryan Fitzpatrick on the podcast recently who just stepped oh, up. You know, he knows it's all about the relationship. He le- released that big graphic of all the names on there, so many that I played with. And, you know, in, in the coaching aspect of it as well, it's about the relationships. And then as a coach, you're just impacting so many lives. I wish 
I wish I could justify to myself to at this point of life, put in the hours. Now, had I not made it to the NFL, it would have been hard for me not to hop immediately in the coaching profession. Mm -hmm. But at this stage of life, it'd be hard to now step in at the age I'm at. You grew up in a household where your dad was a football coach your whole life. Is Was this the plan for you all along? I'm going to follow my dad's footsteps. You know what's funny? It wasn't at all. Wow. It was the farthest from uh, anything I would have wanted to do. Um, you know, I majored in neurobiology. I wanted to be a doctor. I mean, I think that was kind of the first goal. Um, and then, you know, I played football at UC Davis and loved my experience there. I mean, my, some of my best friends in the world, um, you know, all played on that team. I still talk to so many of them. I mean, heck, one of them works here on the staff with me right now. And uh, he just won a Super Bowl. So I'm kind of pissed off about that. But um, but no, I, uh, you know, I wanted to be a doctor. And uh, I think that it, it all came down to this one moment. I was finishing up this uh, this neurobiology. Actually, there's a clip from when I was in high school. Somebody asked me if I would want to coach. And I, I was like, no way. Just because of all the stuff, even when you win, you get criticized. When you lose, you get right. criticized. There's never that you know, you don't win well enough. And my dad would get a lot of criticism and, and he won a lot of football games as a coach. I mean, the Super Bowl, national championship. I mean, uh, won the division so many times as a coordinator. And so I didn't want to do it, but there was this one moment. And I remember I was, I was volunteering uh, my coach at the time. He had me be a uh, kind of like an assistant on the field at UC Davis. And I was finishing up this lab and I might've done a little bit of a prank in the lab and um might uh you know and i thought it was really funny and i know you know every you know a lot of people i hang out with now would have thought it was really funny too and when i got the reactions from everybody around me and they were like really mad like and i was i was like come on it's just just a little chicken blood i mean come on no big deal oh. and uh and, and and then right after that that next day i went back out on the field and got to um got to coach uh, and i think that was kind of when it hit me i was like man i don't know if i want to do you know go to the med school and 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 do all this if I'm not going to have as, that much fun? I always tell people if I could have done orthoscopic surgery in front of eighty thousand people on the fifty yard line and people would be cheering you, I think I'd be down for it. Um, but instead, you know, I, I I got lucky and had a couple opportunities and uh, made the best of them, and here I am. That's incredible, and, and I, I didn't realize all that. We had talked in the past about how your, your second uh, line of work, your second choice would have been being a doctor, which when I introduced you, when I say he's one of the brightest, in a non-condescending way, in a non-pretentious way, you are one of the brightest. Do, are there coaches out there that may use bigger words? Probably. <laughs> are there coaches that want to make you feel less, less smart than in a room? Sure. <clears throat> but Nate's the type, he'll walk in as an offensive coordinator and say, hey, we're all in this together. Well, that gets buy-in when, so that to yeah. me, that's a next level of brightness when you're willing to not let your ego get in the way of getting buy-in from everybody. And that's why you're so respected. And it doesn't surprise me that your joke flopped in a, uh, <laughs> in, in a med school class, but you know, that's one of the hard transitions out of football. For me, part of it was language. Like I start working with some different companies and, I had to learn quickly that I needed to start watching my mouth because in a locker room, in a team meeting, an F-bomb is yeah. just an F-bomb. It's just part of the vocabulary. So I didn't think anything of it. And people look at you weird when uh, maybe you drop an <laughs> F-bomb or you're pranking people. Like you said, you're playing jokes on each other. No you're doubt. playing credit card. You want to play credit card roulette every time you go out to eat. And that's just yeah. not a normal part of society. But that's part of what makes pro football so oh, fun no and football doubt. in general. 
no, no, no doubt, man. It's funny. It's like we always sit around as coaches and we get in some unique conversations. And, you know, I mean, our whole game is is so special and uh, different than anything else uh, in this world because uh, of the um, that controlled aggression that we all have. And it's funny because we all look at each other. The coaches were like, man, we couldn't do anything else because <laughs> if we were doing something else, we wouldn't make it long, man. <laughs> We don't need to harp on this too much, but you mentioned about one of the things that turned you off about getting into coaching was all the criticism that you saw from your dad. How did your dad manage that in the household? Because like naturally, heck, if there was a, an article written about me in Buffalo that wasn't a, just a super positive spin, my wife would be super offended. You know, mm. I can't believe I'll just use him because he's a friend now. I can't believe Joe Biscaglia said that or I can't believe Tim yeah. Graham said that. Well, yeah. how do you manage that as a family when that's your dad? Like I just wonder how he approached that situation. You know, that's a great question. It's uh, it's funny. The first thing we did was cancel the paper. Back then there wasn't a lot of internet and we had paper. And, you know, when you're you're doing positive things out on the field, positive things with the players, and there's so many things that the public doesn't know and that the media doesn't right. know that you do in that building. And um, I think the great thing that my dad did is he involved me in it. So I was around the players. I got to see how they were with him. I got to see how he was with them. Um, I got to be there at training camp and work as an equipment boy. So I got, to, I got to see and feel that team. So and my dad would always talk about never get too high, never get too low. Understand, you know, the media, they, they have a job. They have a job. They got to sell papers. They got to, you know, write certain things. And that's part of it. And he was never, it never really bothered him. And it was just about our family sticking together. And I remember a lot of times I'd go into high school and there'd be something, maybe a loss or something like that. And things would, might've been said and everybody would read the paper back then. And, you know, people come up here, are you okay? Are you okay? And I, I mean, I just removed myself from it. You know, I knew who my dad was. I knew how he was with the players. I knew how the players looked at him and that meant more to me than anything. So I think as I jumped into this profession, I wanted to take that same mindset of, you know, Hey, it's about my family. Um, you know, I love them. I, I love what I do. Um, I love them being around the guys and I want them to be around the guys and make it that family feel. A lot of people preach family, family. Well, if you don't know my family, how can I preach family? And so I think that those things are so important that people feel that and um, in your in that that tight circle, because then you can deal with anything. Because, again, right. you're going to have good times and bad times. I mean, it's hard to win and go undefeated. I mean, <laughs> that's why a lot of teams don't do it, no matter how good they are. Right. So there's going to be criticism, but that's part of it. And as long as you embrace it and understand it, um, then you can go about your job and make sure that the team is getting better. Yeah, absolutely. And it's getting harder and harder to ignore it when it gets pinged to your phone. And it might be a USA Today update that's coming across your deal. I, you know, talking with college guys nowadays about how tough it is that, man, they're just getting blasted on social media by people. Heck, when I was in college, you had to go to a message board if you wanted to find <laughs> out if someone was talking. We didn't even have message board. boards, man. <laughs> Yeah. So you had to, you had to go dig. And if you wanted to find someone talking trash on you, now it gets pinged to their phone. It's, oh, no. it's tough, but it's all about just understanding that the criticism is going to come with it, block out the noise, keep the confidence yeah. in yourself, remain, uh, remain humble and understand, yes, you can always get better, but have a confidence that you just rise up above all the criticism. Well, I'd even have more. It's, you know, I'm my hardest critic, you know, I mean, the players, that's how you want them to be also. So it's in the end, nobody's going to be able to judge me as hard as I judge myself. And right. we know all the intricacies on in football. You know them all. I mean, sometimes you're judged on one play and it might have been somebody that nobody even looked at that, it, that something else happened. Or it might have been something um, somebody fell down. Somebody had a bad day. Somebody had something happen with, 
somebody else. I don't know. There's so many things. That's why this game's so beautiful because there's so many things that go into it. It's not just, oh, you should be able to call a play every time and it should score a touchdown. I mean, that, that, that's just not reality. And so, you know, like, like you said, I mean, it's part of the business. It is what it is. And, you know, I, that's why I don't have the, the Twitter. That's why I don't have any of that stuff. It's funny. I've done some press conferences and people will say, how, how are you responding to some of those comments? And you're like, I don't know. I haven't seen them. Right. And uh, you're like, but, but I know what we're doing. I know how we're going to try to get better. And I think that's just, you know, that's the way I've always taken it. Yeah. That's, and that's a great approach to it. So 42 years old, you're the head coach of the Denver Broncos and Head coaches are getting younger and younger throughout the NFL. The NFL that you were around as a kid, I feel like was just, it, it just took a lot longer to earn your stripes in this league where someone would give you the opportunity. What are you crediting to this younger movement of coaches in the NFL? You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that's happening. I mean, I think that, you know, the players are different and I think there's been a dramatic change quickly in society um, yes. with the computers with phones with I mean you could take everything from music to everything and um, I think the way that you teach has to be different we teach completely different here at the Denver Broncos than uh, than most people and I, I think it's about understanding the players and I think that there there's been a kind of this dramatic change, like I said, in society and how people are brought up, how college football is played, how, how, how athletes are treated. I mean, everything's there, how we practice now. I mean, the, from the two days are gone from the limited amount of time that we have. So you have to be creative in how you teach, but you know, meetings aren't what we do. We want to go out and play football. So everything's about um, letting the guys have an environment that they're excited to come into. That's what I wanted to create for you when we were at Buffalo together. Um, and that's what I want to create here at Denver. And I think that um, that's kind of my goal. And I think some of the younger coaches embrace those new tactics and not saying that anybody's better than the other. I just think that that's why maybe that that influx of younger coaches has, has been going on. Great analysis. I, I, I agree with all of that 100 percent. The only thing I would add, and you're more in it on a day to day basis than me, so you would understand. But in this likes culture, this group of young men that are entering the NFL that had Facebook when they were in sixth grade and they're so used to the comments and the likes, well, they need relationship. And I experienced it kind of towards the later part of my career that yeah, I always go back to this quote that gets credited to 20 different head coaches, but they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so it takes a relationship. It takes an environment it takes you asking about them well at times that's easier for a young coach to do it's easier for a younger coach to build a relationships with a 20 year old a 21 year old and then you can get them to perform better on that rookie deal and and, and older coaches can do those things but in general it's going to be a little easier for someone like yourself who's just a little closer to uh to them in proximity of age yeah no i i can totally see that i mean i remember you know when i first got in the league and it's like you just we're going to call this play and you're going to do it because I said so. Right. And now you have to, I mean, all the guys, especially in the quarterback room, the guys that I've talked to, I mean, you have to explain why and you have to be excited about why and you have to be humble enough to hear their responses. You know, it's not as much as, you know, hey, just run through this wall because I told you to. You know, right. it is about the relationship. It's about them understanding that I will never ask them to do anything that I want to want to do myself. And I think those are the things that you build over time. You spent the last three seasons around Aaron Rodgers. Was there anything in particular that you saw in him, whether it was preparation, work ethic, just something he did on Sundays that kind of separates him 
to make him obviously one of the best quarterbacks of all time? I'll tell you, my, my experience the past three years uh, with Aaron were, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, uh, when you talk about a relationship, you know, I think that was something that, that you know, I mean, I, I mean, I will take my relationship with him for the rest of my life. Um, he is, he, he was an amazing man and uh, we had so much fun, um, but we got to work and, and we really enjoyed game planning and getting after people and talking about football and also talking about things throughout life and all the different um, opinions and, and good, bad, all those uh, things that come with it. But, um, you know, I think that when it came to Aaron, you know, his, his intelligence level w- w- was unbelievable. Um, his, um, the way he saw the game, the way he played the game, the way he took advantage of the little things that some people don't. I mean, a lot of people love when he, I mean, he'd be looking over at the, at the defense to see if they're subbing and then catch him with a quick play. And, you know, we had to adjust how we, we did things and how we called plays because of that. Um, but I mean, I, I just can't say enough about the man. I mean, just watching him as a teammate, how he inspired people around him, how he kept people accountable. I mean, there were so, there's so many great things about him. And, uh, you know, I just, I just enjoyed every second of it. Does anyone get more free plays on offense than Aaron Rodgers by either using cadence or catching the other team substituting? I mean, I still don't know what his cadence is. And I would always joke about it. I was like, <laughs> I try to figure it out, both the silent count and the thing. And it was funny because, you know, we'd always talk about, you know, if another guy goes to another team and they try to emulate it or something like that, I'm like, nope, can't do it. I mean, it, it's the most unique, you know, ever. And, um, you know, he prides himself in it. I think that he understands the system so well that then he can spend time utilizing the cadence as a, uh, as a weapon, you know, a lot like how Peyton Manning did it. I mean, Peyton Manning was one of the best at it also, but I mean, he lives for that. Like that's his favorite thing to do is to catch somebody off. And I mean, there's times that he'll catch them off. He'll check. He'll actually look to make sure that a flag was thrown and then like make it right. I mean, that's just something that he loves. It's something that he, he loves attacking the defense with that. You talk about worrying about someone going to another team for those listening out there. When someone goes to another team, you instantly pick their brain when you're preparing for that opponent that, they, they traded, got cut, released, whatever it may be. So Brian Brom comes to the Bills in 20, 2009, but then in 2010, we're playing against the Packers. So Kyle Williams is picking his brain. Give me all the cadence stuff. Well, obviously, A-Rod knew that Brom was going to give him the cadence. Kyle had three false starts in the first quarter. He got so mad at Brom on the sideline, and he's like, I told you, Aaron's so smart. He's going to know that I'm giving you all the cadence, so it doesn't truly matter. It doesn't we- matter. You, you can't do it. It's like the signal thing. Everybody's like, oh, this is their signal. I was like, nope, he's got like 10 signals. He's got faith. I mean, just, just go out there and just try to play football. Don't overthink it. Don't try to get him. Just, just try to defend him. Well, you guys got another good one, another future Hall of Famer now in Denver and Russell Wilson. I mean, is he the type of guy that when you spend time with him, you just become a better person in general? <laughs> I, I think so. Although I might be having uh, the opposite effect on him now. Um, but uh, You're averaging uh, each other out. Yeah, we're trying to get those balances out. He's making me better. I might be making him worse. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's unbelievable to be able to go from the Packers to now the Denver Broncos and have Russell Wilson in, in the room. And it's funny, you know, I've called plays for a lot of different guys, been around a lot of different quarterbacks. And the thing that I think blows me away more than anything about those elite quarterbacks is they're elite for different reasons, mm-hmm. completely different players that, you know, you can't compare them, you know, they're, they're just completely different. And, you know, Russell, I mean, he, he's a completely different animal. I mean, for just, his, I mean, his work ethic, his caring, his, his love for the game, his love working the players and, and just, you know, he keeps talking about the process and how he's obsessed with the process. And, you know, everybody always says that and you're like, 
you know, oh yeah, sure. You're obsessed with the process then, you know, whatever. And then he is obsessed with the process. I can 100% tell you, I mean, it is everything from watching film, watching it with the guys, doing extra while, everything. I mean, he's going to do every single little thing that he can in his power to make sure everybody's on the same page. It's It's been pretty impressive to watch. Well, and you could see that from the outside looking in, and that's how a guy that's under six foot tall who falls to the third round in the draft, even though so many executives and scouts will tell you now they had him as the best player in the entire draft. <laughs> everybody included. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, everybody will tell you that that was their favorite player in the draft, but there hasn't been that many Hall of Fame sub six foot quarterbacks. And so it takes a daily process, a daily commitment to excellence to get that. And you can see that from the outside looking in. All right. So I love asking coaches this question. Who's the hardest defensive coordinator for you to prepare for? And then I'll say that and I'll, I'll keep talking so you can think about it for a second. And then when you're starting the game plan for the week, is it more about the scheme or the Jimmys and Joes on the other side of the line? Mm, gosh, two good questions. Um, you know, I think I've looked past, looked at it in the past, and I think that definitely the system that we have here now at the Broncos has always been one of the most difficult ones, and that's, you know, the Rams uh, will play the Chargers, um, the Vic Fangios. Um, when we first got, got going uh, versus uh, the Chicago Bears, um, I think that they do some intricate things with the front. And I think that when you have different changes of fronts, um, front dynamics, that, that can cause some issues. And it makes you kind of have to um, do specific things. So you might want to, you know, you might be doing something over and over throughout the whole season. And when you get into, you know, this kind of a specific defense, which is that five down front, that's really starting to go throughout the league, like hot fire. Um, it's, uh, it's, those are very difficult. And that cover three with the, with the guy, a guy dropping in a little bit different from different spots. I think those ones are, have always been very difficult because I think the unique thing about football and, and you know, this playing for as long as you did is it's amazing how it completely changes each week. I mean, I think that's something that people don't get is, you know, sometimes that's the hard thing. You know, you spend a whole week going against a specific defense and the next week it's completely different. So it's a completely different game plan um, or you're trying to attack something uh, different because of the scheme. When it comes to game planning, uh, you know, I think the truth is it, it's, it's a combination of both. I mean, you can't make plays unless you, you have, you know, the guys to execute them. Right. Um, so for me, I think, you know, everything that I've done in my past has always been number one, you know, adjusting the whole thing for the quarterback. You know, um, you know, depending on who that guy is, you want to make sure you're doing what they do best so that they're the most comfortable. Um, and then you want to always try to find a matchup. You want to find out your how you can get your guy on, on somebody that you want to try to get after. Um, and same thing on the line. Like, I mean, you remember one time we lined up, uh, we had a game and I, we only called right formations because we, you know, we I think it was Cameron, Cameron uh, Wake was on the right side. And we're like, we got to always have a presence over there. So. I think it's a combination of what they have, what you can do within your system that's comfortable for the quarterback, but then still not expose, you know, when there is a premier athlete or a premier cover corner or a premier rusher or something like that. So I think it truly is. You always want to do what your guys do best first. That's always the most important thing. And you want to fit it against the matchups that you're going to face. So I think that's that chess match that you go against every weekend. Why well, I love this game so much. And it changes. I mean, it changes dramatically um, from the different things that you'll see throughout a year. Oh, no doubt about it. And it is, 
it's wild how complex some of the blitz schemes even got towards the end of my career where you're going against a defense where they have seven or eight different blitz third down looks I'll say maybe bringing pressure and then you got to prepare for all that I had um, Aaron Cromer who uh, is back in Buffalo now as our offensive line coach well to take a lot off of Tyrod's plate we decided we're not going to I have to alert him if it's hot and I'll just do all the protections the line of scrimmage and some weeks you face a Todd Bowles, for example, we you could just get twenty different things. I mean, it's oh, no, no. It, and, it's, and, and you get in those games too when you know you're going to practice all this stuff that you think you're going to get, and they're going to be something different. Right. So your rules have to fall into something that you might see. I think that's the thing that that I I don't know how to like get that information to everybody else in the world, but that is what makes our game so amazing. Is all the, the the intelligence that the players have. And like thinking about what you just said, like people don't understand that you've got your hand here, you've got your hand below, you're, you're looking down between your crotch, you're getting ready to snap it. And then you got all these moving parts and people are coming from everywhere and they're really good right. football players. And you still, hey, why didn't you get that block? It's like, well, because I had my snap the ball and some random guy came from a spot we never knew. Um, but I mean, that, that's why, I mean, that's why this game is so amazing. Yep. And that's why you got to create the muscle memory all throughout the week. And I'll never forget this, especially since it ended up being the last game I played in. You could also overthink things. And I had been given the Jacksonville Jaguars when you were on staff down there, a lot of the defensive calls. And so me and Puzz Lusney have this chess match, which in calling games on the broadcast now, my favorite thing is just the chess match of football. Like I love going into a game and I'm looking at the coordinators. Oh, they run under this tree. Okay. This, oh, and then I'm watching a little film during the week and, oh man, this is so, I just love the chess match. And then you see how it's going to play out on Sunday and I'm not in the meeting rooms anymore. So it's almost just unfolding in front of my eyes. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. But during the Jacksonville game, first pressure of the game, Paul is yelling, lightning, lightning. There's going to be a blitz off the Bills right side, the left side of the Jaguars defense. I slide the line that way. I don't even think – I think I brought the backside tackle too to where the right. defensive end wasn't even accounted for. We get we convert the first third down of the game. And Malik Jackson looped all the way around the left side of our line. Well, Paul, being as smart as he is and a former teammate of mine, he yells lightning on a straight rush and I slide the line and I give up a sack that if you're just watching football and you see where my eyes are on the right defensive end, you're sitting there thinking, is this, this guy, you know, is he, he's got to be concussed out there because he has no idea what he's doing. And so I overthought myself on that one. And uh, Hey, it happens. That's not a fun one. Hey, it happens, man. I mean, we're all trying to do our best. We're all trying to get that little extra edge. And sometimes it gets you. That's why sometimes, hey, just play ball. Dano's and Paps Jerky is bringing you a spicy collaboration to deliver a Southwestern punch of flavor with Dano's Chipotle Jerky. This is an all-natural, no-sugar, high-protein, and low-fat snack, perfect for an active lifestyle by giving you the fuel to get through your next big adventure. Available now at PapsJerky.com. No doubt. All right. So we talked about how hard it is to prepare for a game. What's a normal morning look like for you? Uh, what day for, because, uh, you know, for, for us, for coaches, the grind for me, I, I, I'm one of those guys. I like to get everything done early. So, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are pretty, um, 
intense days from a game planning standpoint of trying to get as much tape watch as you possibly can um, meet with the coaches, get, get a tight game plan that uh, really Monday is kind of my day to just get all my thoughts and all the coaches get all their um, situations and all the things that are responsible for done. And then Tuesday's really where we all get together and, and go through everything and solidify what we want to do, how we want to attack, um, how we want to protect all those different things. And then, um, you know, Wednesday's the first day we get the players. So really that, that Monday and Tuesday are, are, are solid grinds. They always have. And then Wednesday, right. cause you want to finish up cause you're trying to get the third down done on Tuesday. You're trying to get, um, you know, all your base plan in. And then Wednesday is the short yardage, the goal line, and then the, the red zone throughout Wednesday. So by the time Wednesday's over, you're hoping you have a great feel for all those phases. And then, the, you know, the first time you get to get home around 8 o'clock is on Thursday. Um, and then uh, you get to see the, the wife for the first time, watch a little Thursday night football. And then uh, by then you're hoping all, all the hay's in the barn and uh, you're ready to rock and roll. But really that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are um, they're, 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 they're hard days. Oh yeah. It's a grind, but you were uh, flexing on me a little bit before we started on the podcast. Yes, let's go. <laughs> and, and I was complimenting that you're, you're staying in good shape and, and you're making time to get a workout in the morning. And, and the only reason I say that is for all those listening out there, when you're in a position of leadership, it's so much easier for a player in my position when a guy is talking about discipline and work ethic in front of a room and it doesn't look like he just ate a box of donuts, that helps. <laughs> and, and it doesn't apply to all situations. And you can earn respect in so many other ways. But one of the quickest and easiest to is to have a certain level of discipline and accountability in your own life. So I was giving you some compliments there. Oh, and I, I know it's easy in the coaching profession to get out of shape. And it's easy it in is. positions of leadership when you have just so few hours in a day. But uh, I commend you for not letting yourself go. I appreciate yet. it. And I'm going I'm to check in on you uh, <laughs> after this season, too, and make sure you're not letting it go. My, my man, Joey Galloway, from when I was uh, coaching, uh, coaching him at, in uh, Tampa Bay, um, I, I definitely was a little bit lighter back then. But, you know, he, they're, they're just like, you know, you said, sometimes coaches get a little out of whack. And uh, so, so he was definitely uh, poking fun at me. And so I, I kind of had to make a transition um, a couple of years ago to say, you know, you know, we're already not sleeping much as coaches. So you got to try to get 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes in and eat the right way. Um, just, just to be able to stay healthy so we can be fresh and energized to do what we do. Yeah. We all need a little accountability partner yeah. in our life. So there you go, Joey Galloway. <laughs> Have you danced in front of the team yet? <laughs> Man, I can't believe it took you this long. Um, no, I have not. I, I have not. I, uh, you know, they've all heard, heard that and, and heard that rumor. And, um, but every now and then, you know, we got a lot of music at practice. So uh, when something always, you know, something, hit them on, with something. I, I, I start doing some stuff, you know, I mean, when the good songs come on, you can't, I can't control it sometimes, but, uh, but no, I haven't uh, entirely yet. No. At some point we might need an AFC dance contest between head coaches in which I don't believe this and like wrestlers, like former college wrestlers can't dance anyway. So I don't, I, and I've never seen it. I've spent a lot of time around it, but Sean McDermott, when he came on the podcast claimed back, one of my recurring questions used to be, what's your favorite, what would be your go-to karaoke song? And he was like, well, Michael Jackson and I dance with it. And I'm like, coach. And he's like, Oh, I can dance really well. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to see that one to believe it. <laughs> oh gosh. That is the one thing that I do miss, man. I, I do miss doing all the classes and teaching all the classes. That was a great time in life. Yes. Former 
what what was uh, what would hip-hop. you so hip-hop dance instructor yes i was a hip-hop dance instructor it was a fantastic time um it, that's hey, you gotta make money sometimes in college and uh teaching dance was always something fun that's awesome all right a <laughs> couple recurring questions i want to be respectful of your time what's your favorite wing spot in buffalo you know i re- it's been so long since i've been there i uh you know you've got isn't it duffs and duffs is uh, solid Duff's is good. Um, I'm not gonna not gonna lie. The Big Tree I thought always had some good ones. They were hidden away there, but those were definitely some good ones. And then there was a um, there was a, a place in um, East Aurora, Barbell. That, that Barbell. That one was really good too. Those were those would probably be my two go tos. Those are three solid choices. So you'll be um, you'll be happy to know this. I've got my jersey up in the Big Tree now yes i i feel yes. like I've, i may never you have made it i may never make the ring of honor in the stadium but yeah, my jersey is in the big tree and after my career ended That's there was awesome. this spot that i used to like to go to to watch sunday night football after an away game when we got back we played a lot of sunday one games well we'd arrive back home and we'd go in and get a bite to eat and i would always sit in the corner so no one could bug me and they started calling it eric's corner so now my jersey sits in oh. Eric's corner, kind of on that back side of the bar area. Look which at you. you awesome. I'm looking, you've grown all up and all this. Look at you. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Me and AVP, the only Hall of <laughs> Famers, awesome. the only non-Hall of Famers that have our jerseys up in there. Me and Alex Van Pelt. That is absolutely fantastic. Two absolute legends, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. All right. And I, and I did get to throw AVP in on a broadcast. I was calling a Pitt Panthers game. And... Mm-hmm. AVP is, I believe he is the leading career passer for the Pittsburgh Panthers. Everyone would just assume it's Marino and pick it because of the COVID year was approaching that. So you know, who was the, who was the head coach during that time with AVP? Who's that? Paul Hackett. Pops. That's awesome. Paul Hackett was was the head coach with, uh, and they had a pretty good team. Sean Gilbert, uh, Curtis Martin, um, I remember those were some of the, so those were my early years. Those, those were some great times, man, man. Talk about a squad. And about, you know, who was on the coaching staff there? Who's that? A uh, guy named Marvin Lewis, uh, Mike McCarthy, John Gruden, and uh, Chris Peterson. We're all at one point on the, on those staffs and along with South Sanceri, a bunch of different guys. That and is unbelievable. Couldn't win a game. They all got fired. Are you serious? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> that is that is unbelievable. Man, yeah, we could do a podcast just talking about that staff right there. Oh, All man, right. it was a good group. Last one for me. This is what's next with Eric Wood. What's next for Nate Hackett? You guys, what's – so the big thing in the NFL for the coaches, you get some time off before training yes. camp. Do you guys have big plans? Oh, we do. We're, we're I'm very excited. You know, my family just got here. My kids had to finish school. You know, when you got older kids, it's not as easy to transition and move right away. Um, so my family's all here finally, and uh, we're going to be heading out, uh, getting some some great rest and relaxation. So, and my, my wife loves to travel. Like, that's the thing that she loves. And now that my kids are getting older, we know that's going to probably slow down a little bit because of sports and all those things. My kids uh, love, have tons of activities and things like that. Um, so we're going to be traveling all over. Uh, we got some soccer tournaments for my son. We got, we're going to go to London for some, uh, for a time. We're going to go to New Hampshire, uh, where my dad lives and, um, I don't know, Cabo, Napa, we're going to be all over the place. 
I love it. Enjoy it because it's going to be a grind this year. The AFC West loaded up for you. So they knew you were coming. So they loaded up with all types of pass rushers to make it a fun season for you. You know, we want it to be interesting. I mean, might as well. Right. right. Let's pay all these quarterbacks to come into the division. And then let's just pay all these pass rushers and let the AFC West just go out all year. No doubt. They say, hey, the whole, hey, the game's run by if the quarterback plays good. So you got to have a quarterback playing good or you got to affect the quarterback. That's, that's the recipe. Yep, no doubt about it. Brother, I can't thank you enough for your time. Great luck this year. I mean, I I hate that you're back in the AFC just with my <laughs> affiliation with the Bills, and the Bills still pay the Bills. So I, I have to yeah, show you. But you will always have a fan of me, brother. Appreciate you, man. Love you. And, I mean, goddamn, I, I still think about all those days we had together. Such a great time. I know it. I know it. I love you too, brother. I'll see you. All right, all right man. This episode has been brought to you by Jordan Yoakum at Tom James Company. Jordan is my clothing guy and I get everything from him from custom suits and dress clothes to casual wear. Let Jordan do the shopping for you to save you precious time that could be focused on your family, career, or hobbies. Jordan can work virtually with anyone in the world and if he cannot personally get your measurements himself, he will have someone come get them for him. If you have put on the quarantine 15 like many have and your clothes aren't fitting properly anymore, he can also make adjustments to the clothing you already have. There's a certain confidence that comes with having clothes that fit perfect and let Jordan give you that confidence. You can contact him by email at jordan.yokum at tomjames.com or visit his website louisvillecustomclothing.com. Contact info will be in the show notes.